Funding for this class is provided by Benjamin Arieh and family in loving memory of Raphael, son of Chacham Rabbi Chia. Now we come to the three blessings, a set of three blessings. We're up to on page seven. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has not made me a Gentile. You did not make me a Goy. Even though we find the Goy literally means a nation. And in the Torah, the Jewish people are referred to as Goy. Goy Kaddish, a holy nation. But in the language of the rabbis, Goy refers to the nations of the world versus the Jew. We say a Goy. Goy means from the nations of the world. Goy is not derogatory. It just means from the nations of the world. So we bless Hashem, we thank Hashem for not making me a Goy. Why do we say it in the negative? You did not make me a Goy. You should have said it in the positive. And thank you, Hashem, for making me Jewish. Why do we say it every day? It's enough to say it once in your lifetime. Hashem, you, you did not make me. You didn't create me. A guy, you created me Jewish. That's how I was born. I was born Jewish. That happened the moment I was born. It doesn't change every day. Why do you have to keep on repeating it each and every day? Could a convert say it? Could a convert make the brach? What blessing does a convert make? Could a convert say, you did not make me a guy. You was created a guy. You became a convert. And why is this the very first thing? Yes, even if, okay, you have to be proud of your Jewishness. But is that the very first thing in the morning? You just woke up and the very first thing you have to say is, thank you Hashem for not making me one of the seven billion people, one of the 70 nations of the world. You made me Jewish. Why is that the number one, the first thing, that one of the first things we say in the morning? Well, some say that the reason, that's one of the reasons we don't say that you made me a Jew because that part is up to us. In other words, Hashem did not make us a goy. But to be worthy of the title Jew, to be worthy, that's some, that depends on us. That's something that we have to do. Hashem did His part. He created us. We're born Jewish. Now, He gave us that potential. The question is, what are you going to do with that potential? Are you going to actualize that potential? So to say Shosani, that he made me a Yisrael, that part, that's up to us. That's something that we have to do. That's our choice. Hashem gives us the freedom of choice. He gives us all the potential in the world. At least we can say that Hashem, what Hashem did is, He did not make me a Goy. He did not make me a non-Jew. He made me a Jew. He gave me all the potential. Now it's up to me to go ahead and um, to utilize that potential. But in general, the whole idea of the chosen people, many people are very thrown off, especially in today's day and age. We live in a very pluralistic society. It's politically incorrect. Why am I so proud of my Jewishness? We should be universalists. We love everyone equally. Everyone is equal. Everyone is the same. The idea that a Jew wakes up every morning and says, thank you, Hashem, for not making me a non-Jew. And we don't marry non-Jews. This seems like so superior. and You know, uh, 
especially we Jews suffered from it more than anyone else. The last nation we know to make a thousand separations that was so proud of their Germanity and their Germanness. What did they do with that? Where could that lead? Does that lead to superiority and to arrogance? But actually, there is your answer. You want to see if something is good or not, look at the consequences. What are the consequences of a Jew waking up every morning saying, thank you, Hashem, for not making me a non-Jew and for not marrying a non-Jew? Or versus to make a thousand separations, the Nazis who woke up every morning and said, I'm a proud Aryan. It reminds me of the story during the war. Uh, the Nazis were inventive in their cruelty. They were so cruel, so inhumane. It's, it's beyond comprehension. And one day they were, after tearing away at the Jew's beard, they threw him to the ground and was dancing on him, this SS, this evil monster was dancing on him and crushing him, and kicking him. And at that moment, the Jew cried out. He says, thank you, God, for making me Jewish. The Nazi was stunned. Said, Are you kidding me? Are you for real? At this moment, you're thanking God for making you Jewish? Look at you. You're on the floor. I'm jumping on you. No nation in the world came to rescue you. Even America sent back to St. Louis. No one wanted you. We suggested we wanted all the nations of the world to take the Jews. In the beginning, Hitler didn't kill the Jews. He wanted them out. We were happy to let every German Jew leave Germany, empty Germany of its Jews. And the famous conference, and not a single nation in the world wanted to take the Jews. They were very happy with what Hitler did with the final solution. So you're despised, you're hated by the whole entire world. You had societies to save the, save the cats. You may even had societies to save the animals. You may even had societies to save the rats, maybe. But we were, there was no society in the world that stood up, say, let's save the Jews. Universally, unanimously, everyone basically told Hitler, do whatever you want. We don't want to have any part with it. We wash our hands from the Jews. The, uh, the Nazis had a, whenever they wanted to get supplies to the front line, you know, the Allies had air supremacy, I think starting in 1942. If they wanted to get their supplies to the front line safely, they would write in huge word, huge letters on the train, Juden. And they knew the, the bombers, the Allied bombers, were commanded by our dear President Roosevelt not to touch. It was only once in the whole history of the, of the war that one of the concentration camps, one of the crematoriums, was bombed by mistake. I think that pilot probably was imprisoned for that mistake. How dear he bombed. So no one cared. And here, look at you. You're despised, universally despised across the board, by 99.8% of the world population. Jews are 0.2% of the world population. We're jumping on you, we're stamping you, we're destroying you. And you, at this moment in time, in history, when the whole world turned against you, now you're praising God and you're saying, thank you, God, for making me Jewish. So the Jew said, 
told, tells us not to. Now more than ever. When I see the difference between me and you. Look at you. You're supposed to be civilized, cultured. Germany, the seat of university, of enlightenment. You go home at night and you dance to Bach and Mozart and Wagner. Cultured. And this is who you are. And this is how you behave. And this is what you do. The cruelty. The unimaginable cruelty. Viciousness. Murder. Evil. Thank you, God, for making me Jewish. Even if I have no other quality, the only quality that I have is I was born Jewish. Thank you, Hashem. I'm so proud of my Jewishness. Because when a Jew says we are the chosen people, what happens as a result? It teaches us to be kind, to be compassionate. Because there is pride and arrogance that comes from ego. I am superior. I am haughty. I am better. But Jewish pride is based on the exact opposite. It's based on egolessness. It's a godly pride. I am proud because, like Helen said, I'm connected to Hashem. It's not, there's no ego. It's not about me. It's a godly thing. And the more Jewish I am, the more humble I become the more humane I become, the kinder I become, the more generous I become, the more genuine, the more gentle, the more sensitive. This is Jewish pride. Pride is essential. A person cannot survive without pride. How did the Jewish people get the strength to survive for 3,800 years when 99.8% of the world population came down on us like a ton of bricks. Where do we get the strength to be Jewish, to preserve our Jewishness? Which is our most important mission. Our most important mission is to preserve our Jewishness. To transmit that to our children. And to keep this Jewish family going. To keep the Jewish nation, the Jewish people going. It's all because of that Jewish pride. It's like the backbone. The backbone is what holds up the whole body. If a person has no backbone, you could be religious, you could be orthodox, but if you have no backbone, if you have no pride, the whole body falls apart. Everything falls apart. A Jew is not proud of his Jewishness. He's almost embarrassed by his Jewishness and practices his Jewishness behind closed doors where nobody's looking, but he's afraid, God forbid, to make a ripple, to make a, you know... Put a menorah in public. Oh, God forbid I should proclaim my Jewishness in public and be proud of my Jewishness. God forbid. Keep it quiet. Don't, don't make such noise. It's going to cause anti-Semitism. This is an essential ingredient. Without pride. If a Jew has pride, then everything else can follow. If a Jew doesn't have pride, you can have everything else. It's all going to collapse. So thanking Hashem that you did not make me a non-Jew, that you made me Jewish, and that I am part of God's chosen people. We're not called the choosing people. We're called the chosen people. Why are we great? Because God chose us, not because of anything we do. There's no human fingerprints in this. We don't say, thank you, Hashem. Certainly you did not make me a God. In other words, you made me Jewish. 
It's God that makes us Jewish. God chose us. Chose us. It's, not, it's, it's not about anything human, egotistical, I. It's all divine and godly. The question is, why do we have to say it in the negative? Why don't you say it in the positive? Thank you, Hashem. You made me Yisrael. Shasana Yisrael. Why in the negative? So some commentaries want to say, because the Talmud says, in fact, that Edevin, for two and a half years, Shammai and Hillel argued amongst themselves. Whether it was worthwhile for a person to be created, or whether it, was worth, it would have been worthwhile for a person not to be created. And this went on back and forth for two and a half years, and finally they came to a consensus. They agreed that better would have been better off if he would never have been created. Now that we are created, let's make the most, the best of it. Let's fill our life with good deeds. Let's make the most. But you can't thank Hashem for being created. Creation is not such a big simcha for us. <laughs> it's not such a big uh, simcha. We only celebrate things that are associated with a mitzvah, a bris. The upshot in there is because it has to do with the, the payas, educating the boy, he should start leaving his payas. Bar mitzvah, bas mitzvah, a wedding. Any celebration in Jewish life is associated with, that's why traditionally Jews never celebrated birthdays. What am I celebrating? That was created. Creation is not, what's a creation? I exist. Mazel tov. I. Ego. I exist, okay. Vayava, he came, he's here. I am here. What's the big simcha exactly? Another ego, bigger ego, extend my ego, continue my existence, another year, continue, extend. It's all about ego and I. That's not something to celebrate. We don't celebrate ego. Jews don't celebrate ego. We are a holy people. We are a godly people. We celebrate mitzvot. And that's the reason we say, thank you, Hashem. You didn't make me. So you didn't make me a goy because we're not talking about we're not putting anyone down. The non-Jew is our best friend. But we're talking about the godly thing of doing mitzvot. That Hashem gave us the ability to do mitzvot. Because we're Jewish, God gave us mitzvot. He gave us 613 mitzvot. The non-Jew has seven Noahide laws. But it's not just that they have seven their seven is like their Ten Commandments. They have seven with hundreds of details. And we have Ten Commandments and 613 details. It's, it's a different, qualitatively different. Their seven Noahide laws and our mitzvot are qualitatively different. The theme behind the seven Noahide laws is to lead a civilized life. That's the mission of every human being. Every human being is called a Noahide. Because Noah is the role model. It created the image of God, just like Noah was a non-Jew. He was a hero. He was a giant. He single-handedly saved the world. Every human being is a descendant of Noah. He was created in the image of God. Him and his family were moral and ethical, followed the seven Noahide laws when the world around them was hopelessly immoral. And that's why they single-handedly saved the world. And every human being is a descendant of Noah. That's the role model. They can be like Noah. God spoke to Noah. 
And that's how we look at every non-Jew. We don't try to proselytize. We're the only people in the world that don't, don't try to proselytize because we respect every non-Jew. Every non-Jew is created by God and has a divine mission to be a righteous Gentile, to be a Noahide. You don't have to be Jewish. But a Jew has a special relationship with Hashem. God chose us to be his marriage partner. Just like we all have best friends, but we choose one person who we're going to be intimate with to the exclusion of everyone else. Intimacy, it's a whole different relationship. That's one. So the non-Jew is God's best friend, but God chose Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, and their descendants. He chose us at Sinai. He married us at Sinai. He married us and he chose to be intimate with us. And every time we do a mitzvah, it's an end in itself. Just like intimacy is an end in itself. The relationship is an end in itself. That's what makes marriage different than all other relationships. It's not a means to an end. It's an end in itself. When a Jew does a mitzvah, that is the end. When I do a mitzvah, I'm connecting with Hashem. I'm being intimate with Hashem. So we thank Hashem for this godly connection that we have, this opportunity that he gave us to do 630 mitzvot. He chose us and he gave us the Torah and he gave us that opportunity to connect with him and to be intimate with him. And the Jew is the conscience of the world. Which is why we give everyone a guilty conscience. That's why there's anti-Semitism. As Hitler said, the Jew gives us all a guilty conscience. The Jew, he said, inflicted two wounds on us. One in our body, the, the circumcision, and one in our minds, in our psyche. Guilt. As long as there's one Jewish baby left in the world, Hitler says, Superman, we can't be Superman. Our whole value system, where right makes might, and might makes right, and survival of the fittest, and we have to squash out the weak. As long as there's one Jewish baby left, our philosophy is doomed. We have to kill the Jew. But of course, you can't, just like you can't get rid of God, you can't get rid of consciousness, which is God's people, God's holy people, and God's chosen people. We are the conscience of the world. The prophets who stood in, in Israel and thundered and taught the world about morality and truth. The Jew is indestructible. Where's Hitler today? And where, where are the Jewish people? So, yes, we stood at Sinai. We took upon ourselves a thankless, a thankless job. You know, God chose us and we took upon ourselves to be the teachers of the world. And we know that the teacher, it's really a thankless job. The student hates the teacher. A normal student, a normal kid would rather run around wild. And comes the teacher and the teacher takes the little kid and disciplines the kid and forces the kid to learn and to study and to eat a spinach and plays music. It's the last thing in the world that a healthy, normal kid wants to do. Normal, healthy kid wants to run wild. So the teacher, the kid resents the teacher. But the teacher knows that. The teacher is not, he knows, he knows that teaching is not a popularity concept. Life is not a popularity contest. The Jew knew that we were taking upon ourselves a thankless job. We knew we're not going to be popular. We knew that all the nations of the world are going to hate us and despise us because we're trying to teach the world how to be a righteous Gentile, how to live a moral, ethical, and, and spiritual and godly life. 
but to follow the Torah, to follow the seven Noahide laws. And they're going to hate us, and they're going to resent us, and they're going to try to kill us, try to kill the messenger. They don't like the message. And anyone who's arrogant, especially anyone who's arrogant and egotistical, and they can be religious, but if they're arrogant and egotistical, they're going to despise the Jew with every fiber of their being and every bone in their body because the Jew represents godliness and egolessness and holiness and truth and absolute truth. Especially absolute evil like Hitler and Stalin, they're going to hate the Jew. But we also knew that one day our students are going to grow up. And they'll look back at their teacher, and instead of hating their teacher, they'll realize that the teacher was their best friend. Because the teacher taught them the only decent moral way to live. The teacher taught them how, instead of being a brute, taught them the finer things in life, to really culture, and how to think, and how to read, and poetry, and music, and, and philosophy, and ideas and elevated their life, once the student will grow up, they'll realize the teacher was their best friend. The teacher had their interest at heart. The teacher, they'll appreciate what a thankless job the teacher did, but thank you, teacher, for teaching me and taking me off the gutter and teaching me to be a mensch. We knew that one day the world will grow up, and instead of hating the Jew, the non-Jew will give the Jews a standing ovation. That's called Mashiach when the non-Jews will realize that what the Jew has been teaching us for the last 3,800 years, this is the only decent way to live. You want to enjoy life. You want to have a wholesome life. You want to have a stable life. You want to have a life that's centered and focused and connected and meaningful and with purpose and connected to Hashem, to the divine and a truthful, genuine life. The only way is if you follow the teachings of the Jew, the seven Noahide laws. We all become righteous Gentile. All seven billion people become righteous Gentile. And it would, the Jew will be the teacher of the world. And Mashiach will be the king, the president of the world. And the, the, the third temple will be the White House of the world. And Jerusalem will be the capital of the world. Everyone will come to study Torah. This will be the nerve center of consciousness in the whole entire world. So we knew going in that we're accepting upon ourselves a thankless job. So while the rest of the world is persecuting us and attacking us for our Jewishness, every morning a Jew would wake up and say, Thank you, Hashem. Not only am I not resentful, am I not, I'm, I'm so grateful, I'm thanking you, I'm praising you, and thanking you that you did not make me a goy, that you made me who I am, and you made me Jewish, and I'm part of this minority, this tiny, tiny, tiny people. There are hardly any Jews in this world. We're 0.2% of the world population. Thank you, Hashem, for being this golden link in the golden chain that goes all the way back to Abraham and will go on to the end of time, the eternal people. We are the eternal people because we are people of the book. We're connected to your eternal Torah. And you gave us mitzvot and you gave us 613 divine opportunities of connecting with you and being intimate with you and touching the divine in the morning. This is the very first thing, because this is the foundation. If you don't have this foundation, if you don't have pride, if you're not truly and genuinely proud of your Jewish, you don't feel that pride, that you are part of the chosen people, 
and that you are part of a holy people, and that Israel is a holy land, and that we have a holy Torah, and we have a holy God, and we have a holy way of life, and we're so proud of our history, and so proud of our present, and anticipating our destiny. If you don't have that, then the whole Judaism falls apart. Then you have nothing. Yeah, you can be going through the rituals and going through the emotions. It's lifeless. It's soulless. You don't have the energy and the strength. Surely you don't have the energy and the strength to carry out your Jewish mission, to transform the world, to have that mission, to carry out your mission, to change the world. You have to have a fire in your belly. If you don't have that fire in your belly and you don't have that oomph and that strength and that courage and that bounce in you, then you're just overwhelmed by all the opposition. You can't fight the whole world. How can you fight City Hall? How can I fight 7 billion people? And the culture that's all around me and the hatred and the anti-Semitism. If being Jewish is only about the Holocaust, if that's all we teach our youth is about the Holocaust, being Jewish is, then it's no wonder why no one wants to be Jewish. Who wants it? That's what it means to be Jewish. It means to be persecuted and to be murdered and to be killed and to be singled out, inexplicably singled out. <laughs> Who wants it? <laughs> Who wants it? Who needs it? If being Jewish is not about the pride and the joy of who we are and where we come from and that Hashem has chosen us and it's divine and it's godly and our destiny and our mission and our purpose. You know, if you don't have a, if you don't have a mission, if you don't have a purpose, then you have nothing. We stood at Sinai. We were a nation. What made us a nation? We were not a nation in any, any conventional sense of the word. We had no land. We were in the desert. We had no treasure. We had no army. We had nothing. What made us a nation? What made us a people? All we had was a burning idealism. We had that faith. With Hashem, we stood at Sinai, we made a covenant, and we promised Hashem that we take upon ourselves this mission to be God's chosen people and to carry the message of monotheism and to carry the message of Hashem, of divinity, of godliness, of holiness to the world until we're going to conquer the whole world, until the message of Hashem will spread throughout the whole world, until all seven billion people will all become righteous Gentiles. This is what kept us going for thousands of years through thick and thin fire and water, through Holocaust pogroms out of the phase, crusades, destructions. If you don't have that sense of mission, that sense of purpose, that's your soul. If you don't have that soul, then you fall apart. The Jewishness won't last. It can't last. What are you transmitting to your children? What are your children going to transmit to their children? If you're just playing defensive and please don't hurt me and don't harm me. And a Jew has to be on fire. Thank you, Hashem, for not making me a goy. Thank you, Hashem, for making me Jewish, for being... I'm so grateful and thankful for this privilege and this honor. I'm so proud of my Jewish. And there's nothing egotistical about it. It's purely a godly phenomenon. That's why I'm not saying you create, you made me. As if my existence. I'm not talking about me. It's not about my I. It's about connecting with Hashem and being godly. Now, why do we say this every day? 
You can say it once, once in your lifetime. Thank God you didn't make me a non-Jew. I know I'm Jewish. And that happened the moment I was born. It doesn't change. And could a convert say, Shaloyasani Goy? How could a convert say, You didn't make me a Goy? Convert was created a Goy who became Jewish. How can he say, Shaloyasani Goy? So the Kabbalists write that what we're saying here is because every day when a person goes to sleep, sleep is like one sixtieth of death. The soul goes, ascends, and high. And all our thoughts of the day and our activities of the day and thoughts of the day also ascend and high. And death is the void. Nature abhors a vacuum. Your consciousness, you're asleep. There's no consciousness. So there's a void, as we learned earlier, brings impurity when we discuss the washing of the hands in the morning. The impurity, while the soul is asleep, you have this concept that there could be the spark of a non-Jewish soul could connect with the Jewish soul. When you wake up in the morning, you have, in addition to your soul, to your Jewish soul, overnight, you attracted this negative energy or the soul of a non-Jew that has no connection to you. You're, you're the soul of a Jew, which will lead also throughout the whole day, could lead to very negative thoughts that will completely discombobulate you and throw you off your track of serving Hashem and continuing to deepen your relationship with Hashem and your Jewishness and your holiness and your godliness and egolessness. And on the contrary, you'll just sink deeper into your egotistical pursuits. So we're thanking Hashem that overnight that we did not attract the soul of a nun that connected with us over the night and then we woke up with this uh, unwanted guest <laughs> who's accompanying us during the day, our escort. This is not the type of escort that we want. <laughs> There's a concept of holy souls that attach themselves to you. That's the type of escorts we like. But these, these type of escorts, this is, not the, this is not the type of escorts that we wish ourselves. So we thank Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, for not and that's why even a convert also can make this blessing. Because why do we say the blessing each and every day? Because each and every day we have to be grateful and thankful that while we slept, and while our soul ascended on high, and while we had this vacuum, this, this, this impurity, that it didn't linger, it didn't stay with us, and we didn't attract this energy of a non-Jewish soul that attracted itself or was connected to us for this day. Also, when we say Shaloya Sani Goy, we have the concept the inner guy. You know, it's interesting. We always hear the word of, we hear of anti-Semitism. But people claim, well, Jews hate non-Jews. Not true. I never heard anti-Gentilism. You ever hear of anti-Gentilism? You ever met a Jew who hates non-Jews? Not true. Yes, maybe we're angry and upset when they killed us and they harmed us. But inherently, essentially, anti-Gentilism. On the contrary, we don't look down at non-Jews. On the contrary, we're the only people in the world of such respect for non-Jews that we actively discourage conversion. If a non-Jew wants to convert, we actively can discourage them because you don't have to be Jewish. You're con- you can be connected with God without, without converting. There's no anti-Gentilism. 
But we are the microcosm of the world. We also have within us, like the Gentile within us. What's the Gentile within us? You have the Jew within us. What's the Jew within us? That's the godly soul. That's the piece of the divine essence, the chelik of the kami mal mamish in the second chapter of the Tanya. That's the Jew within us, the godly soul. But we also have our animal soul, our egotistical soul, our natural soul. So we thank Hashem, we thank Hashem that we gave us the godly soul. But we have to make sure that the godly soul prevails over the animal soul within us, the goy within us. So we're praising Hashem, we're thanking Hashem for giving us that godly soul that gives us the energy and the strength to overcome the Gentile within us, the goy within us, that natural soul, that egotistical soul that we have. And we hope and we pray to Hashem that the godly soul should prevail that egolessness and godliness should prevail and that should run our lives and our day should be under the influence of our godly soul. Mm-hmm.